You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. Okay, so today this sermon is titled, But Jesus Interrupts. Interruptions. How many of y'all like interruptions? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, <laughs> not anybody. I was, in case there was, I was just going to say, i got a three-year-old just dying to come to your house, right? If you love interruptions. I mean, interruptions. Uh, we don't like interruptions, right? I've had this, this story keeps coming to my mind, and, uh, and it, it's a story I heard back when I was a kid, and you can actually find it uh, on YouTube. And if you ask me later, I'll tell you how to search for it. you probably find it after I tell you the story a little bit, or, or you can ask somebody my age or older, and they'll tell you <laughs> where the story's at and what it's called. But there's this story from back, and, and there's, there's just, it's just, it, it's, it's the last, you know, the, kind of the punchline. It's the punchline that just keeps coming to my mind. I mean, you know, talk about interruptions. COVID has been an interruption, right? I mean, it, it's kind of been the interruption of all interruptions in a lot of ways. So we've had a lot of interruptions, but there's a big one there as well, uh, right? So um, anyway, there's this story. Uh, a comedian told it many, many, many years ago. When I was a kid, I, I, is when I remember hearing it for the first time. I've listened to it many times. And it's about when he was younger and a bunch of his buddies that they went out. One of the things they liked to do was go coon hunting, okay? Uh, that, those are raccoons, okay, for us city-fied people, right? Just plain old raccoons. They were out coon hunting, and uh, instead of taking guns to shoot, or they would take guns, you know, in case they had to, uh, you know, to kill a snake or something like that. But instead of killing the, the raccoons, when their dogs treed the raccoon, now, do I need to explain that? Dogs chase a raccoon until the raccoon runs up a tree. That's what you call tree in a raccoon, okay? The, the, the raccoon runs up the tree, try to, try to get away from the dogs and try to, you know, to buy it some time. Maybe the dogs will give up or whatever. And so when the dogs tree the raccoon, instead of shooting it and killing it, if the tree was small enough, they'd cut it down, and that's how they'd get the raccoon. If it was too big to cut down, then they would climb the tree and they would knock it out with a stick. And so they had been, they'd been coon hunting for a little while that night. They'd been successful. And so finally their dogs treed another, another coon, and it was on this really, really big tree. No way they could cut it down. And so one of the guys who was just, he was renowned across, uh, across all of Mississippi as the guy that could climb a tree. He could climb trees nobody else could climb. He started up the tree, kicked off his shoes, started up the tree, gets to the top of the tree, and he grabbed his stick to knock the coon out of the tree. And so he poked the coon, but as the comedian said, but it wasn't a coon. Yeah, he said it was not just a bobcat, he said it was a lynx. Now, I didn't know we had lynx any, anywhere this part of the country, but he said it was a lynx. And he said he poked the lynx, and he said the lynx poked back. It didn't fall out of the tree, he just poked back. And he said, he said we were down, to, you know, it's dark, you know, the dogs are all barking, and, and he's upstairs, now the lynx is, is you know, it's, it's just, uh, just squalling, you know, and just sw- slashing at him with his with his uh, with his claws and uh, and he's yelling he's poking and he's yelling and and uh, and he said the tree is just kind of shaking uh, just waving back and forth all this commotion's going on and uh, they're yelling at him knock him out John knock him out John and and he just keeps on he finally he remembers that one of the guys has a gun on him he says shoot up here kill it and the guy with the gun he said I can't shoot up there John I might hit you and it goes on and goes on and goes on until finally John says shoot up here amongst us because one of us got to have some relief. That's the line that I've had come to my mind a lot over the last couple of years. God, kill my problems or me because one of us got to have some relief. 
You ever felt that way? That you just, you just gotten as far as you can go and you got to have some relief one way or the other. Interruptions. I mean, that's, that's, that's what was going on with John. He had an interruption. He was just coonhunting, but he had an interruption. And his interruption was just about to kill him. Well, think about it, you know. I mean, we, we, we'd say interruptions. We think, uh, no, sometimes interruptions are big deal trouble, right? Uh, this is not a uh, dictionary definition of the word interruption. This is kind of my explanation of what an interruption means to me in light of the direction we're going with this sermon. It is the unexpected circumstances that derail the plan, the dream, or your attention. Remember that three-year-old? Or your perceived future. You know, it's, it, it, it doesn't have to be something that totally disrails, but just, just a little bit, just enough to get you off track of where you're going. But, but here, here's, here's the big thing is that perceived future, not, not just there yet, but your perceived future. Not necessarily what is really going to happen, because that's, that's part of the problem, right? Um, and if you think about it, if you think about it, yeah, that what we perceive as our future isn't necessarily what's going to happen, right? You know, but what we do is we have an interruption of what we perceive is going to happen, and we get all bent out of shape about that. But Jesus sees, what, what you and I see as interruptions, Jesus sees the actual future. Now, now think about this. You're going to have an interruption this week, right, of some kind. Maybe a big one, or maybe a, but you're going to have an interruption of some kind this week. And when that interruption happens, you know, Jesus sees it today. If we believe he sees the future, he knows what's going to happen. He sees it today. He already knows today about that interruption that's going to happen. He already sees it. So, so what you and I call an interruption, he's saying, no, this is, the, this is the road. This is the turn that your life is about to take. This is the dead end that you're about to hit and going to have to find another way. So Jesus already sees that, and not just the ones in the future. So back up and think about that. Every interruption that you have ever had in your life, Jesus saw it coming. Now, but here's the really good thing. He has planned accordingly. When you and I, we, we had no idea because we, we have this perceived future, how everything's going to just flow real smooth. Everything's going to be wonderful. But now, boom, this happens. Jesus saw that coming, and he planned accordingly. And whatever is happening to you tomorrow or this week that is going to interrupt your smooth life or whatever you've got going on, all your plans, Jesus already sees that, and he's planning accordingly right now. What, and whatever happened yesterday and whatever happened last week and last month, last year, because, you know, if we're not careful, we will allow interruptions to derail the rest of our life. And whatever has happened in your past, Jesus saw it he planned accordingly and if you will let him help you he will help you through that because you see Jesus is our interruptions interruption because he sees that interruption and he's just waiting to interrupt it again and turn everything around that way I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking to you a little bit about Miracles, but not in the way you're thinking I'm going to talk. If I say that, not in the way you're going to think that I'm talking about miracles. You all know what a prerequisite is? Like a prerequisite course in college? You know, it's like you can't take, you know, a, a math 102 until you take the math 101. You can't take an English 201 until you take the prerequisite 101, 102, whatever it is they require. It's a prerequisite. Today, 
I hope you'll consider this miracles 101 because I, I, I really don't believe I, we, we question why aren't there many more great miracles in our world today and in our lives I mean we're Christians right we're followers we're disciples why aren't there more in our well then let's deal with miracles 101 let's look at it this way today that this is Miracles 101, and if we're going to get to Miracles 102 and eventually get to Miracles 201 and 301 and 401, and maybe even, can we get to some graduate courses here, you know, on miracles and just see God do amazing things that nobody ever dreamed could happen in our lives, we're going to have to, and, and, and here's the thing, you, you don't get to take 102 because you took 101, you only get to take 102 when you do what with 101? You got to pass it. Okay, so sitting here today, you know, just sitting here listening to the info is not enough. If you get this, though, I believe you're on your way. You're on your way. And, and, and to me, 101 is one of the most important to get because everything builds from there. And once you start getting that, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, once you figure out, you know, what X is in algebra, you know, once you figure out what X, then it all, then it all changes for you. Okay, so, so today I, I'm going to tell you, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to hurry as quick as I can, and, uh, so I may have to cut one of these out, but plan on telling, reminding you about five stories in the Bible that I hope will relate to some of the places that you are in your life, okay? Because we all have interruptions where they're, they're I mean, like deaths in a family. I, I guess that's the ultimate interruption, Right? Because it feels like, I mean, what, what's left after a death in the family? But there are also things like uh, losing jobs, financial setbacks, a bad medical report, uh, trouble in your marriage, or when your child begins struggling in school or with friends, or they have heartbreak in their life. All these things are interruptions that, you know, everything was great until this happened. Interruptions. Interruptions. But Jesus is the great interrupter, but Jesus interrupts. Okay, so John chapter 8, there's a story, and um, I, I, I'm not going to tell you who the, the, the this is in these stories, because I really hope I just tell you enough that it makes you want to go read. Wait, I gotta, I've got to know more about that story, because all of these, uh, that, that scripture right there, it is it is on the, uh, on the sermon notes page. You can go there at the Connect page that Lexi was telling you about earlier in the service. You can go there and you can find it. And uh, listen, if I can ask you for anything this week, would you give me the birthday present of going and reading those? No, no, it's not my birthday this week. But would you just give it to me anyway? It's early. And would you just go and, and just read these this week? And just check these notes this week. Again, follow up with this. Okay? In John chapter 8, there was this woman. This is a story about a woman. And I don't want to tell you who she is because I think if I leave that out of it, it'll, it'll probably connect with more of you. Okay, so, but let me ask you, let me ask you this question. You know, have you ever been doing something, minding your own business, and you know, not hurting anybody else? I mean, you know, that's what we say. We're, you know, we're only hurting ourselves, right? Not hurting anybody else, just minding our own, but doing our own thing. Nobody else's business, what I'm doing. But then you get caught, and you kind of realize, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have been doing that. You ever had that happen in your life? You know, maybe you rationalize that, well, this is okay. You know, you know I, I got a friend growing up, he really was my best friend when I was a teenager. And he used to like to say, he would say, <laughs> He, which I didn't say. You know, that was his out of everything. I didn't say it exactly like this, you know, which I didn't say. 
And so we rationalize sometimes. Or maybe, maybe you just flat knew something was wrong and you did it anyway. But you thought you could hide it from everybody and got caught. That's this lady right here. And she was dealing with, that next slide right there, she was dealing with now, overwhelmed, overcome with guilt, embarrassment, condemnation, self-loathing. She felt like she was an outcast because of this, this sin that was in her life. This that, 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 that maybe she had rationalized, but it's okay. I mean, let me tell you something. I, I've, as a pastor and talking and counseling with people, I've had people rationalize the most crazy, stupid, silly, obvious sin that you could ever imagine. We do that. And only when we get caught does the embarrassment and the condemnation show up. And, and so what, ha what happens? Well, she gets, the, she gets there to Jesus. I'm trying to not, not share too many points because I really want you to read it for yourself later. But Jesus interrupts. But Jesus interrupts. And what he does is he doesn't bring her a miracle of, of healing. He doesn't bring her a miracle of finances. He brings her the miracle of forgiveness. He brings her this miracle of forgiveness. And, and, and the cool way he does it, he, 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 he says and does something. And, and everybody else that is condemning her and everybody else, they kind of disappear. And so he looks at the woman and he says, where are those who, who are accusing you? And she says, no, no one condemns me now. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. And he brought this forgiveness. And, and, and all of this was happening, yet Jesus interrupted. He interrupted the guilt. He interrupted the shame. He interrupted the condemnation. He interrupted her self-loathing of herself as, why could I do this to myself? He interrupted all of that. And, and the cool way that he did it is when, when all this began happening out in front of everybody, everybody knows. I mean, this was one of those times she got caught red-handed. Everybody knew, you know, and Jesus, when he is asked about it, he just kind of stoops down and he starts writing in the sand. What did Jesus write in the sand? Now, I have heard sermons on this story throughout my life, you know, in church. And uh, I've heard preachers say, this is what Jesus wrote. This is what Jesus wrote. This is what, you know what? I found out a long time ago, uh, don't say what Jesus didn't say. You know, if Jesus didn't tell us, then, you know, I can't tell you exactly what he wrote. I can ask the question. I can surmise. I can say maybe he wrote this or maybe he wrote that. But he didn't tell us, so, you know, we'll never know, not on this side of eternity. When we meet him, you know, I'm sure that's going to be one question that Jesus has asked a million times in eternity. What did you write in the sand, right? You know, but I like that he didn't write, that he didn't tell us what he wrote in the sand. Because now what I can do is when I need forgiveness or when I'm struggling or when I'm embarrassed or when I feel condemned, I can imagine he wrote in the sand what I needed him to write in the sand. And you can imagine that he wrote in the sand what you need him. And I think that's why, why we have so many you know, different preachers preaching this because this preacher really, he, need, he needed Jesus to, to write that. And so that's what he assumes. And that's what you assume. That's what others assume. And that's great because every one of us needed Jesus to do in our life what he did in that lady's life. He interrupted. He didn't just interrupt those things. He interrupted what sin was doing in her life. And he interrupted what sin was doing in my life. I mean, that's, that's what he's doing here. He's not, just, he's not just forgiving. He's not just glossing over it. He's not just covering it over. So we, we, we're not supposed to talk about that anymore. 
You know, it's not just that. Is he interrupts what sin is doing in our lives because he tells her, you know, you know what I was quoting just a few moments ago? Where he said, neither do I condemn you. But he said one more thing after that. He said, go and, oh, y'all have heard that. <laughs> go and sin no more. So Jesus wasn't just, he wasn't just interrupting the guilt and the condemnation. He was interrupting the work that sin was doing in her life. Okay, that reminds me, leads me to this second story. It's in John chapter 4. It's another woman that is here. And, and, uh, but l- let me ask you some questions, see if maybe you relate to her a little bit. Do you have anything in your past that you have a hard time getting over? Do you have anything in your past that when you think about it, you, you, you ever think about something in your past and just cringe? I can't believe I did that, right? You know, and, and then you open your eyes, hope nobody saw you cringe as bad as you cringe. You know, somebody's going to think something's wrong with me. Oh, I got some of those kinds of things. That, oh, if I could go back and just change one thing that day, that would be it. And you just cringe and, and you can't get over your past. Or maybe because of that, you're not the cringer. Maybe you're the hider. You hide out. You know, that's what this lady did. She was more of a hider. She kind of hid out. You know, like uh, when the grow groups is going to discuss a particular subject, I'm not going tonight because that just hits a little too close to home. Or, you know, you're looking for a sermon to, to, to listen to on the way down the road and you find one and it's about that kind of really close to that thing that, you know, back in your past. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to that one. because And you hide out. You find a way to distance yourself. From, or, or maybe others, one of the other ways we deal with that kind of thing is we become self-deprecating. You know, around friends and family, we make jokes about the kind of things that we had done in our past that we're so, you can't get over. Anybody? You don't, don't raise your hand. Don't, you don't have to say Amen. Most all of us have something like that, that just something in our past, this is kind of how she was dealing with what she was dealing with, self-destruction. I mean, she was in a cycle of self-destruction, this lady. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read the story. Constant failures. I believe, I, I, I can't prove, but I believe, and I know a lot of people that are dealing with this kind of thing, they're dead inside. That they're, they're, there's, there's no life anymore. They're empty. They're unwelcome. They're one that others are suspicious of. You ever felt that way? Man, what a, what a heavy weight it would be to have to, to have to bear all of this. But Jesus interrupted. This was, the, this was the rest of her life. This was what was written. She had all these plans growing up, and maybe her family had these plans. And maybe, and maybe when she got married uh, for the first time, she had all these plans and all of these things. But it didn't go that way. She got this detour, and she couldn't get off the detour. The interruption, she's going the wrong direction now, and she can't turn it around. She can't straighten it out. But Jesus interrupts, and he gives, us a, gives her a different way to go. He takes her and, 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 and the cool thing I think here is how, again, how he did it. You know that person, he knelt in the sand and, built, and wrote in the sand. And here in this, in this story, this woman runs back and starts telling everybody. You know what she says? She says, you need to come see this guy because he told me everything I ever did. Now, wait a minute. How many of you would love for Jesus to stand up here on the stage this morning and call one of you out and say, let me tell you about this person's life? Scary, huh? But it's all in how you tell the story. And Jesus tells a story like no one can. Because, you see, 
when we read this story, and if you, if you haven't picked up on which story it is yet and you're not familiar with it, you need to read that. And when you read it, if you read this story this afternoon and say, I've got to find out what that story is, when you read that, you're going you're gonna to see all this stuff of what she did. She did this and this and this. You're going to read all of that, and you're going to think about all of that. But that's not where Jesus really focuses in on. That's not the end of her story because he says, this is where you were, and this is where you came from. But then he says, this is what I can do to your life. This is what I can give you so that you don't have to deal with it. You don't have to live in this anymore. I want to forgive you, but I want, you to, I want to forgive you in a way so that you don't go and sin anymore. And so, so what Jesus does, you know, when, when Jesus gets to this place, he sends the disciples away. It's almost like he says, hey, guys, give me a minute. He knew this woman was coming. He said, give me a minute because that's all that Jesus needs to turn your past into a beautiful story. It's just a minute. But then, but then you know what happens. Then we have to decide to live that new story. He takes, a, he takes just a minute to turn all of that into beauty and say, now this is your new story. But we have to stay in that story. We have to decide. I mean, that's what he was telling that lady in the first story. Now go and sin no more. I've not just set you free from your past, but I'm stopping what sin has done in your life. I'm, I'm interrupting it, and I won't allow it anymore, but you can allow it. And so that's what he does is in just a moment, he turns her story from her past to her future. That's what he did for me. That's what he's done for you if you're a child of God. But you know what? I, I don't think we get how many miracles happen when Jesus does a little something like this. I mean, when Jesus, so let me show it to you in, in this next story. This is John chapter 5, and this is a guy. This is a man, okay, in John chapter 5. Now, this is a guy, and he's also got problems. So, so, so let, me, let me ask you this. Guys, have any of you ever felt like less of a man than you wanted to be? Let's make that gender inclusive. Have any of you ever felt like less of a person than you hoped you would become or that you dreamed you would be? Have you, have you, ever, have you ever dealt with limitations on maybe not anything you did just because of the hand that life was dealt you? You ever dealt with that? That's where this man was. Here's some of the things he was dealing with. If you read the story, you'll see he was depressed. I don't have any hope. He was talking to Jesus. Jesus said, this, I don't have any hope. He was depressed. He was bound by the conditions of his life. He wasn't like those first couple. He wasn't bound by his sin. Necessarily. He was bound by the conditions of his life, what life had done to him. He was missing out because of, of being bound in this way. He was missing out on what all the rest of us would just perceive and accept to be a wonderful life. He was missing out on all those things. He could not have done that. So, so what, what did he need? Well, Jesus. But Jesus interrupted that. This, this is what his life was like. Depression, bound by the conditions of his life, missing out. I mean, his, his life, you're talking about one lane. I mean, it was a little narrow lane. Go read the story and you'll see what I'm talking about. It was a little narrow lane that this guy had to fit into. This was all his life could be for the rest of his life. But Jesus interrupted it. And he said, I can change this. And so what he did, this is the first one, you know, you're going to really say, okay, that's a miracle. All these I've talked to you about so far are miracles. But I want to bring it, I'm going to bring it 
let, that you really see it right here, okay, is he healed this man. And when he healed this man, you know what, you know what he did for him? He, I, I meant this man had a physical ailment. And when he healed him, he gave him a future. He gave him opportunity. He, he gave him back to his family. He gave him back to society. I'm at Jeremiah 29, 11, right? And, and, and the word of God says that in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, and they are not plans to do bad. They're not plans to do evil. They're not plans. Wouldn't that be crazy for God to plan evil? But that's what some of us think, and we're just waiting on God just to, you know, get mad at us, right? You know, we mess up. We're thinking, oh, God, you know, he's going to punish us now. Condemnation, condemnation. The scripture tells us there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we, we got this idea, but this is not in Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you, and they aren't evil. They aren't bad things. I want to bring you a future and a hope. And so that's what he did with this man here. He interrupted the interruption of his life. And he gave him. So, so let me ask you, if, if you woke up tomorrow morning and your legs didn't work, how would that change your life? Think about it. I mean, could you even go to work? I mean, if those of you who are in school, you could go to school. But you'd probably, if you, your legs were never going to work again, you'd probably change the course of study if you're in college, right? If your legs never worked again. What about your arms? If you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have use of your arms, your hands quit working. Think about how that would change your life if that happened. Or if you woke up tomorrow morning and your ears didn't work, you couldn't hear. How would that change your life? Now reverse that. Because that's what happened to this man. Every morning he woke up and something in his life didn't work. But one morning he woke up and that was the morning that Jesus healed him. And all of that that would have changed in a negative way in your life changed in a positive way in his life. All those windows and doors that would be slammed shut on you tomorrow if you woke up and your legs or your arms or some other piece of your body didn't work, all of those doors and windows were now open to this man that he had never had open to him before. You see the magnitude when, when Jesus heals, when he brings healing, when he brings a miracle into our life, there's so much more that is going on in there. I think we read some of these stories and we say, oh, that's nice. That guy's never seen again. Jesus just healed a blind man. He can see now. That's cool. No, think about it. All the miracles, all the sub-miracles that happened because of that one big, huge miracle. And that's what Jesus does. He doesn't just interrupt that big thing. He interrupts all these other little things that are just destroying our life. Let's take this a little bit deeper, okay? In Luke chapter 23, there's another story. And let me ask you this, let me ask you this question. Have you ever felt like people have given up on you? So we're going to take this deeper, right? You know, we're not just talking about our mistake. You ever feel like people gave up on you? Or people look at you and like, mm-hmm, <laughs> kind of an attitude. You ever, you ever feel like you don't measure up to everyone else's standards, that people have written you off, that they've condemned you to be a forever failure or uh, an eternal screw-up? <laughs> I know what. I know a lot, and some of you are sitting here, that you feel like that's what your family's done. That's where this guy was. What, what was he dealing with? He was dealing with shame. And the shame of his life wasn't just shame on himself, but also on everybody around him, all of his family. His parents were having to deal with the shame that had happened in his life. 
He was alone now. No one was there for him. He was hopeless. The only thing he had to look forward to was death. There are people like that, maybe even in this room today, that everything is just so fallen apart in your life that you don't know of anything else you've got to look forward to except death. And I'm not just talking to people 10, 20, 30 years older than me. I'm talking to younger individuals that all you've got to look forward to is death, just waiting on death. There's, there's, there's just nothing left. He didn't just burn his bridges. He blew them up. He tore them apart, threw, the, threw it into the river, washed it into the ocean. He had no hope whatsoever. But Jesus, in this, um, in this mental march toward death that this man had, but Jesus interrupted his mental march toward death. And you know, you know what he gave him? He gave him a promise of life, immediate and eternal, right then and right there. You know, bring up that last slide. It's never too late, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've messed up, no matter how bad others have failed you, if everybody else has given up, it is never too late for Jesus to interrupt what is going on. And your, your mental, because that's what... I don't know, I got this picture in my head of a, just a mental march toward death. That's all we're doing. We don't have anything left. The only thing I know is going to happen is I'm going to die. And on your way, your mental march toward death, Jesus wants to interrupt. And he wants to bring life again. I got one last story for you. This is John chapter 3. And uh, I'll go ahead and tell you this is about Nicodemus because Brent preached on this last week. He was a little worried when I was sharing with him and he was sharing with me about our sermons. He was worried he was going to just get all over mine. But he left me my main point. So I said, okay, we're good. <laughs> you know, you didn't, you didn't blow it for me last week, okay? So I, I'll tell you, this one was Nicodemus. He's the guy that came to Jesus tonight. So let me ask you some questions. Let me see if you relate to Nicodemus. Have you ever felt like you were living somebody else's life and not in a good way? <laughs> I mean, you know, we say that like, man, I'm so blessed. I feel like I'm living somebody else's life. I'm talking about the other side of that coin. Like, I don't know how my life got so bad off track. You ever felt that way? I don't know how in the world I got from here to here. I, I, don't, know, I don't know how in the world. And so then you end up, look at what Nicodemus was dealing with. You end up confused, Nicodemus was. You end up disillusioned, Nicodemus was. You end up with questions and serious doubts. So what do you do with those? Because we've all learned, right? I mean, it's been our experience. Jesus is an authority figure, right? But it's always been our, my experience, probably yours too, that for the most part, you don't question people in authority because they don't take it very well, <laughs> right? And so if you've got questions and doubts, it's just better to keep them to yourself. But Nicodemus didn't do that. He took them to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus welcomed the questions. You know, Jesus, inter he interrupted the question. If you read the story, and Brent read a lot of it to us last week in the sermon, but if you read the story, he asked a question. Jesus didn't interrupt the question in the middle of the question, but he interrupted the questioning in his mind. This is where you're going with this, is what he's saying, Nicodemus. But Here's what you need to understand. Is Jesus, you know, I guess when you know you are the authority, you ain't got nothing to prove. 
<laughs> when you know you're the authority. So this is where, Nic- where Jesus was with Nicodemus. He didn't have to prove who he was. And when Nicodemus had the questions and the doubts, Jesus said, bring them on, buddy. Bring on the questions. Jesus welcomes our questions. He welcomes our doubts. Every person that has ever come to salvation, that has ever come to a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, has had doubts and questions, and Jesus welcomed you. And if you've got doubts, he's welcoming you to ask the question. Because what does Jesus do? How does he answer these? That last slide right there. Jesus answers our questions with the promise of life, abundant and eternal. That's what he does for your questions. And so if you've got, you got questions today, bring them. You know, now, I don't have all the answers. I can point you to some places in Scripture and maybe some things that Jesus has shared with me in my life. And prayer team members, they, they don't have all the answers. They can point you to Scriptures and experiences as well. But bring them. Whatever your questions are, whatever your doubts are, because he wants to interrupt that, because your doubts are keeping you from the mirror. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.